0: Welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey, one of the founding members of DSO Connect. Thanks so much for joining us today. This week we are going back to our retreat, uh, summer 19, 2019, we had in Pennsylvania. And we are bringing you the recording from Amanda Kachati's presentation on building a thriving tap. Program at your studio. Amanda is one of our founding members of DSO Connect and she is a brilliant tap educator and here she talks about how to grow your tap program, how to make it a priority in your studio, and how to make tap interesting and exciting for dancers who might not be so tap inclined. So I hope you enjoy and thank you so much for joining us. like alive still I know we've been sitting okay cool Um, we are gonna get up and do a little bit of like rhythm type stuff in a circle like nothing serious Um, but before I introduce myself does everybody in here have a tap program at their studio does anybody not have a tap program okay how many of you feel like your TAP program is like thriving? Okay. <laughs> so we're in the right place. You're in the right place. She did raise her hand, she did, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> loud and proud, raise it loud and proud, okay. Um, so uh, I will introduce myself. Uh, my name is Amanda Cacciotti. Uh I am from a little suburb outside of Buffalo, New York. My studio is called Celebrity Dance Emporium, and the studio has been open for 36 years. I have owned it for 13. Um, I have been teaching tap, oh, for a long time, and uh, we are a rhythm tap-based studio. Um, I grew up doing Broadway tap, but once I got into college, um, rhythm tap is kind of where my heart is. So. I'm gonna kind of go through how I feel, um, my ideas of making your TAP program thrive. And uh, feel free to chime in if anybody has any ideas. I'm always looking for um, anything that will work because I feel like in this day and age, kids have no attention span and we need to always come up with that next thing. So um, always chime in. So. Um, tap gets like such a bad rep, doesn't it? Like, I don't know. Um, why do you feel like your kids don't want to tap? Does anybody it's for have? babies. It's for babies? Oh, that's a new one. I don't think I've heard that one. It's just old, it's not popular. It's old, it's not popular. Any other like responses? Okay yes Miss Robin. It's really hard oh that's the, that's the number one in a situation where they're, they're not Yes right. yes. So for me I found that and I teach other styles too. I teach jazz like classic jazz and ballet um, tech classes. I have found that for tap um, kids think it's really hard because tap is really mental. Um, It takes a lot of brain power to break down the steps. You're not necessarily moving your body to the extent that you would be moving your body um, in ballet or jazz. So um, they don't understand, like to them, they would rather just be able to kick their leg up to their head and not have to think so much. So I think it's, Our job as dance educators and as tap teachers to kind of make that interesting and try to present the material in a way that um, you want them to keep coming back. So tap is really big in my area and I realize that some of you tap might not be like such a prominent thing. I know like jazz and contemporary has taken over the world and um, we're fighting against that constantly, forever fighting against that. But tap has also become more mainstream. Um, It is making its appearance on TV, which is fantastic. Um, I know um, like Chloe and Maude are coming out with a new show that they're going to be touring in 2021, which is fantastic. Um, Doran's Dance is great. Like we have all these tap companies that are like coming out of the woodworks and making it more, um, making it easier for us to um, bring tap to our kids like in a more mainstream way. So um, so let's um, kind of talk about educating yourself. How many of you feel like you are like super educated in tap dance, like in, in teaching tap dance? Raise it like loud and proud, girl. It's not like, yeah. Okay, yeah, don't be afraid, like yes, I know it. How many of you feel like you could like, is. Maybe just a beginner level tap, like where you're at. Okay, great. Okay, that's like, and like maybe we're like intermediate level for like, okay, cool, cool. So first of all, like you need to pat yourself on the back because you're here. Yeah, because you need to be constantly educating yourself and um, I travel to other studios and teach TAP a lot and the thing that I notice the most is for some reason the TAP teachers are like stuck in their way. They don't want to um, like go out into the TAP community and educate themselves on how things are going now. So um, you need to educate yourself. I wanted to really quickly talk about like some free resources um, online that I think um, could help you. Um, Rod Howell, has anybody know who he is? Yeah. He has like a whole tap dictionary online and he does a lot of like beginner classes on YouTube. Um, he is like United Taps, I think is what it's called, but his name is Rod Howell. Yep. R-O-D-H-O-W-E-L-L. Most of his content is free. He does have paid content that you can do, but if you don't like know where to start, like that's he's like a reputable source because you know yes. I just bought his curriculum this summer, and it was very affordable. And I'm trying to go through a few exercises like a couple times a week just to just to get through. It. Yeah, he's really it great. A long time to get it. Oh, absolutely. So it was very affordable, like around yeah, it's not like a six hundred dollar syllabus type thing, you and know. He's like, awesome. He emails me all the time. Yeah, he's very great. So that's like a great place to start. Um, does everybody have a tap curriculum at their studio? Oh, okay. <laughs> So that's like where you need to start. Like that is how your program will build. You need to have a TAP curriculum. I wrote my own TAP curriculum. I kind of pulled, like I'm DMA certified and um, we're a part of more than just great dancing and I Rod and all these people that I kind of went through and I cultivated my own. Um, But you gotta find what works for you. So maybe, how many of you consider yourself to be more like Broadway TAP? Okay, cool. So your syllabus and your curriculum is gonna be very different than what mine is. Um, And how many of you feel like you're like rhythm tap slash hoofer a little bit more? Yeah, so you would be closer to like what we do. Um, So you need to make sure that you are getting a curriculum. um, And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, but just some other things to note, on um, books that I swear by. Um, Tapworks by Beverly Fletcher is a tap dictionary. Um, it's like my Bible. I take it into class. Sometimes with my advanced kids, I'll just be like, we're going to open it up and whatever's on that page we're going to do today. And it'll be some obscure stuff that like was, you know, made up in the 50s, and it's just like a cool, it's so great, it has history, it has everything in it. Um, There is a book called uh, Tap Into Improv by Barbara Duffy, that's a really, really great book. Um, And if you come to my tap class later in the day, we're gonna be doing a whole bunch of improv. Um, We're gonna be working with that. Um, And uh, there is another, um, like, dictionary that's by acacia gray and that is sometimes people use that as well and then really quick just some podcasts because i love podcasts (laughs) i listen to them all the time Um, there is a podcast called lost in the shuffle and it is by hillary marie and she's really great Um, it's like 15 minute episodes a lot of it is like flooring and it's just a lot of really great stuff for tap Um, and then there's one called the tap love tour and um, He like interviews a lot of different people a lot of different famous tappers really great So just helping you stay relevant in the industry is really 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 important Okay, so let's kind of oh yes Uh, Hillary Marie. She also is responsible for like ITAP online, which is another like kind of community that you can do online. And if you're talking about like paid things online, like CLI has some TAP. Not a ton, but they're getting better. And Operation TAP is phenomenal. And that's Anthony Morgerato. They have some free stuff on YouTube, but um, his paid content is really good. So, um, Okay, any other questions? Just stop me because I'll just talk forever. <laughs> what? Uh, the tap love tour. So I'm um, kind of talking about costuming. I'm going to kind of break it down into like your overall program and then we're going to talk about teaching a class a little bit. Um, so costuming. Um, I like to think of, uh, I like to talk about something called the sparkle factor. So I had this revelation in my dance studio, actually, at the end of last year. And we do, like, a rollover registration at our studio. So just like a gym, they're automatically registered. So, like, the kids are, you know, picking out their classes, what they want. And um, the one mom came up to me and was like, I really want Lydia to take tap, but she picks her classes based on which costume she thinks is the coolest. (laughs) And I was like, ding, 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 like that, hello. Like kids don't know, like they don't get tap when they're younger. Um, And I am a very artistic person when it comes to my choreography, so a lot of my tap dances don't have any sparkle in their costumes (laughs) at all. Um, you know they're Starbucks dancers or they're you know like they're whatever I make them to be but um, I really think that if you want to get your tap program going in the younger levels I think you need to pick a costume that is visually appealing to your kids and I know that sounds like such a silly thing but it's so very very true the more sparkles the skirt whatever the accessories are going to get the kids to want to come into that class because when they're young they don't really I think know if they love tap or not like they're just been doing it so so while you're kind of cultivating that love you're giving them that extra cool costume and it's kind of helping you a little bit has anybody else had any like realization about that yeah um I tend to do like um, shows based around a ballet, mm-hmm. so even the tap, jazz, hip hop, whatever will still be part of that theme. And I realized one year the kids had a creative costume, but it wasn't pretty, and I did not have good retention in that yeah. to the next year. So I mean, I kind of think it goes it goes beyond tap too. Like just even as a teacher or studio, like studio owner thing. Um it might be something to think about. Obviously when you get to like your older levels they understand our art, like artistry and and they think it's cool when you're giving them those those concepts but when they're younger they just want to look cool. Like they just want to be on stage and look amazing. So um, keep that in mind. And I, I really focused on that with my teachers this year. I was like, we are gonna pick like the sparkliest costumes of whatever you know we feel might we need to boost up retention wise. Um, and the energy that you bring into the class is like the most important. And I know that this is such a elementary concept and Casey was like bringing the energy at 9 a.m. But that is how you need to be with your tappers. So if you're not a tapper, that is totally fine because you can learn as you go. Like you know when you first started teaching, did you have any idea what you were really doing? No, you were like learning and Okay, we're gonna do this today. And you're like, oh, that worked. Okay, let me write it down. Now I got something, you know, like you kind of mold your way as you go. The same thing happens for TAP, but you need to walk into that room so excited about TAP, like so excited. I like lose it if like, like, oh my God, we're doing time steps today. Like it's, you know, I, you have to get excited about these things. And I think that's where it drops off a lot. I think people that aren't tappers or don't have like a natural passion for tap, um, they don't convey that to their students and then there's, they, but then they see you in jazz and they see you like living your best life as you're jazz ronda jamming like down the floor and they're like, yes, and it, but you have to have that same mentality when you're in tap class. You can't forget about that. Um, and they feed off of your energy. So that's really important. Um, music choices. So I do not like using any current music in any of my classes at all. Um, I do think, however, you need to sprinkle it in a little bit, like with the younger levels, just once in a while, give them a little, like, okay, we'll put on the Jonas Brothers for, like, one song. Um, Or give them, like, one class a year where they get to, like, pick a song. Obviously, that's clean and appropriate. Um, I use a ton of instrumental music in my classes. Um, John Hanks is great. He uses a lot of, um, it's like drumming. Um, Brent Lewis is really good. Um, I have a tap playlist on Spotify that I can certainly share with you guys. Um, I love disco and funk. Oh my God, it's like, Earth, Wind & Fire is my like everything. Like I will dance to September down the line like all day long. It's like so, that music just has that like good vibe and the natural groove that you need for tap class. So just kind of think about that. Um, Also in class, just in class, your music needs to have a really strong, steady beat. So I do tend to go for like, um, sometimes I'll use electronic music a little bit because it's just very easy for them to hear and pick out the beat until they get a little bit more advanced, then obviously you can kind of go for different things. But when it comes to choreography, you need to be careful and you need to really make sure that you're showcasing the feet and like the sounds of the dancer and that the music is not too big for them. I um, We compete. We have a recreational program too. We have two tracks and our competition team is very small. It's like 1% of our studio. But when I go and I compete, um, I do notice a lot of teachers making the mistake of picking these songs that are so big you can't hear the taps, and maybe they're doing it that on purpose. I don't know, but uh, that might be it. Okay, <laughs> but we don't want to be doing that. Like, uh, Darby, did you have a question? No, I wasn't meaning that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> But you want the kit, you want the taps to be showcased like that is something that that is what tap is like tap is it's very there it's rich in history. Um, it's very much I've kind of talked to Trish a little bit I think tap and hip hop are like the only two styles of dance that really have like a community where like I wish there was a jazz community. <laughs> I don't really think there is. I mean yes we have like teacher but like, tap like there are people that are like busking and you know in uh, jam sessions and improv together and just feeding off of each other's energy and you need to bring that into your class and you also need to educate your kids on that the history of it all of that stuff it's so 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 important and it makes tap cooler because that's the whole purpose we're making tap cool tap is cool (laughs) tap is always cool so I also love using a metronome in class. I use a metronome all the time and I strongly suggest you get used to using a metronome. I use it when we improv. If I am cleaning choreography, I will find the BPM of the song and I will just put the metronome on and I will sit on the ground like this and stare at their feet and we will go through eight count by eight count because it has to sound and look perfect for me. Um, so metronomes are wonderful. So definitely, I ha- you can get like a million free apps of metronomes. Does everybody use a metronome in class? Yay, okay, yay, yes. And it doesn't just mean for tab, like you can use it for other things too, right? Because it's music. Um, Mixing in the new with the old. So um, like I was saying before about tap having a rich history, I think that it's really, really important that although I am a rhythm tapper, my kids know all, all the time steps. They know how to do the shim sham shimmy, the whole thing. Every October at my studio is shim sham shimmy month. Like we do the shim sham shimmy in every tab class for the entire month of October. And the kids love it. Like they will run into class and be like, it's October 2nd. Do you know what that means? I'm like, oh yeah girl, I'm ready, let's do this. Like they know. And I think it's just so important that you're passing along that. Um, I actually think this year, we're going to start incorporating that into the show. So at the end of act one, I'm just gonna have all my tap dancers get on the stage and do the shim, sham shimmy before we break. Um, I just think it's really important. So even though we're like really teaching them all these new crazy tricks, you need to make sure that they're learning where, the, where it all came from and so that they're respecting it. It's so, so important. Um, and then just thinking ahead to choreography, I feel like in every other style of dance, we are super creative with our choreography. And then we get to tap. And it's like hands behind the back and we're gonna be in two lines and like maybe we'll like Irish to like a bowling pin and then like another, like I think you need to, Open up your box and think about your choreography that you do with your jazz and contemporary and apply it to tap. Like, you can totally do a lyrical tap. I did a lyrical tap three years ago to Man in the Mirror. It was phenomenal. Loved it. And I talked about, and I I sat the kids down about the relevance of the song and and how the world is changing and, like, had them... Like, they were, like, crying on stage because they were so moved by it. You need to... Um, tap into that? Like, how many of you actually chore what? Oh, <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose! <laughs> how many of you um, actually think about that when it comes to your tap choreography? Good, good, okay. So, like, start doing that. Like, don't be afraid to break out of the box. Like, we, yes. My tap teacher choreographed uh, for a spring show a piece about and how it's interfering with relationships. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Like teaching the, because also I think that's why the kids flock to jazz and contemporary because the choreography is so cool. And like you do, yes. So I'm um, sorry. Um, so if you, uh, I don't know tap at all. Yeah, that's great. If you, you can YouTube, I'm sure a lot of you can see this. Steven McRae, who's a dancer with the Royal Ballet, mm-hmm. he's also a tapper and he has he choreographed um, to Monty Verde's a solo. He's, it's extraordinary. I don't know if the Tap is great in this. It's fine to me. Okay. Like, in line with what you're saying, it's very artistic, it's beautiful, and like, an extraordinary Tap. Yes, it's yes. Great. Thank you. I love that. Um, yes? I'll just say, I noticed that about myself my first couple years of tapping, I was stuck, and my kids were very like robots in formation. Mm-hmm. I was like, why am I not choreographed Yes. And I doing that and they had so much more fun. They have more fun and then they think it, like, they get excited for what you're going to do with your choreography where if you're just like, you know, you know, like something like that, like they're going to be like, okay, we want to go to jazz where we can do like super cool things, you know, so kind of bringing that into tap is really, really important. Um, I also feel like when it comes to choreography, um, try to steer away from the machine gun tapping, where they're just like <laughs> for literally two minutes, like, and you're just sitting in the seat, like, holy crap, they didn't even like, did they breathe? Like, so I'm a big um, like advocate for space in tap. Like, don't be afraid to stop and let there be a silence for like two counts. Nobody is going to freak out. It's going to be amazing. It's refreshing. Yes. Do you use elements from other styles in your like, Not really. I'm not a fan of pirouettes and tap dance. Don't do it. <laughs> Please. Um, and I know that like we get in that rut and people that where their kids aren't confident in tap or they're not strong in tap, they'll put those elements in the tap dance because that's what they're good at. So they're trying to like give their kids, showcase their kids in the best light, but they're they're not really doing them a good service. You know what I mean? Like they, You can do so much better. I mean, there's like tap turns. <laughs> you can do tap turns instead of pirouettes like that. But um, yeah, I think you need to, to really, think about the rhythms and um, it shouldn't just be like counting in 16th notes for the entire two minutes. Like you need to, to let it ebb and flow a little bit and I think that's when the choreography gets really interesting and really cool and you can do so much more with it than if you're just like did like here forever, right? Formations again like Do interesting things, like you don't have to be in a line, you don't have to have your hands behind your back. Get used to your kids naturally using their arms when you're warming up. You need to be using natural arms though, cause like you get in the habit of standing up there and you're like warming up, like... But no, like get into it, use your arms, be natural, they will start to follow suit. Because tap is a whole body experience, it is not just from the waist down. And um, I feel like kids kind of forget that, and some teachers do too, so like really don't be afraid to um, incorporate that, not just in your routine, but in your warm-up and your across the floor, because the more you're doing it, the more the kids are getting comfortable with it. And I mean, if they're taking other styles, they should have like a natural port de bras that, you know, it's not gonna be god awful. Um, Counter rhythms. I love counter rhythms. How many people are like afraid of counter rhythms? Anybody? Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, counter rhythms are like in jazz and contemporary choreography when you have like one one group doing something over here and then another group doing something completely different. That's counter rhythm in tap. So, think about doing that in your choreography. Have one group do a holding pattern that's super easy, like you know, step, heel, heel, step, heel, heel. And then you can have somebody else in the next group, like ba-da-da-da-da-da, da 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 Like totally opposite, but it works together. Um, but start with like the most basic. It could be like. <laughs> like that's, that's your baseline. And then you need to have somebody else, like you could add anything to that. Any any tap step is going to work with that. But now you're making your choreography interesting. You're making your kids have to really think because now they're, they're honing in on their ear, um, their musical ear that I like to call. Um, but, and it's interesting to watch, like visually and auditory. Um, and then concepts. Uh, really thinking about creating a concept for your dance, not just like we're gonna dance to Boogie Woogie Beagle Boy and we're gonna put on a cute costume and that be that. Like give them like a something that they can hold on to. Like why are we doing this dance? Even if it's like the happiest dance in the world. Like why are we celebrating? Why are we so joyful? Like explain it to them. Um, and then lastly, like guest artists. If you really feel like you struggle with choreography, don't be afraid to bring in a guest artist. Like I don't think that that's admitting defeat as a teacher. I think that you're giving your kids what they need. So you can certainly learn, but I mean, if I had a student that I felt was exceeding me to the point where I couldn't teach them, then I would bring somebody in for them. So I mean, don't be afraid with that. Does anybody bring in guest teachers or guest artists for choreography? Yeah, I think it's really great. Um, okay, so we're gonna talk about teaching a solid tap class um, music theory. My favorite thing in the whole wide world. How many people actually incorporate music theory into their tap class past age five? Okay. This is good, this is good. So um, this is the key to you having fantastic tappers right here. You need to never stop with the music theory. I still do it with my advanced kids all the time. Obviously it changes in how I'm presenting the situation, but you need to really make sure you're using music theory. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna stand up and maybe make a circle. I'm gonna, should we maybe like do half of us in a circle? Or some yeah, who wants to volunteer to be in a little circle? Come on. Come on down. Come on down. So we're just gonna stand in a, cir- a little circle here. Cool. Yeah. So I start all of my TAP classes off in a circle. Um, come on in, come on in girl, yeah. So um, I'm gonna put the music on in just a second, but uh, this, we're gonna talk about like a more elementary concept, so um, I just think it's important. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna put the music on and we're going to just clap to the beat, okay? Then we're gonna count out loud to the beat. And then we are each going to take turns picking numbers and we're only going to jump on those numbers, okay? So we're already teaching the kids that they have to be counting and that what they're doing has to correlate with the count, okay? So it's gonna be like super easy and we can have fun with it, yeah? So we get to clap and count. Cool. All right. Can we hear this? Are we good? It's not like too quiet. Okay, so this is like a great, like basic, like super, Four, four, like yes, okay. So we're gonna start and we're gonna clap to the beat. Ready? Here we go. two, three, four, so loud, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Good, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, so then I would go, okay, Casey, you get to pick two numbers. So one through eight, what two numbers would you like? Two and seven. Two and seven, okay. So we're not going to count out loud, we're gonna count in our head. And we're gonna see if we can all jump on two and seven. Are you ready? Five, six, seven, eight. Ah! (laughs) Numbers. Anybody? Six and eight. Six and eight. Okay. Actually, can you pick three numbers? Six, eight, and four. Ooh. Four, six, and eight. Ready? Six. Here we go. Yes. Yeah, so, so this is like a super easy way, and you can, yeah, you can mix it up any way. I start off every single class like this. And it's so easy. And you're going to get the kid that, like, is just going to jump. Totally opposite. But that's... Yeah. So you guys can have a seat. Have a seat. That was great. Yes, yes. Thank you for volunteering. So you're going to... And you can change. Like, maybe they don't jump. Maybe they, like... Maybe they clap on those counts, or maybe they stomp or stamp. Like, you can change it. But it's also going to tune you in very quickly to those kids that have no rhythm (laughs) and that you need, you know, you need to spend a little bit more time on. Like, okay, like they clearly do not know how to count music. Um, So I kind of start that out quite a bit. Um, I also think you need to be, I included like a rhythm tree in here. Um, I give this to all my kids. So, please feel free to give your kids something like this. Do you all use this kind of terminology in class? Do, you, do, you tell, do, they know, do your kids know what a quarter note is? Do they know what an eighth note is? You ne- that needs to happen. So I start with my six year olds and we talk about what a quarter note is. A quarter note is just the beat. One, two, three, four, five. So maybe when they're six, they just know what quarter note is but I think it's really important because in the real tap community, like we're bringing real tap, bless you, into the studio. And in the real tap community, in like real tap world, they are counting in fours and they are, like it's like music class. So if your kids aren't accustomed to this and they are like, really digging TAP and they go to a TAP festival and they're like, what the heck are these people doing? I don't, I don't know, what an, what's an eighth note? Like, I, I don't know. So I think it's important that you start to get on that board, like get on track with that. Um, uh, curriculum, so I know we kind of talked a little bit about who has a curriculum and who doesn't. Um, staying the course on your curriculum, I feel like for some reason with TAP, People just feel like, like, okay, so I'm teaching my kids a paradiddle and they totally get it, so now I'm going to teach them the single double and triple paradiddle. And then I'm going to, like, they don't understand that there is a stacking method to tap, just like there is ballet, right? Like, you don't teach a degage before you know how to do a tondu. well, the same thing applies to tap. So, You can't teach a shuffle if they don't know what a brush is, and they don't know what a spank is. And I know that everybody's different. Some people call it a back brush, so I'm a spanker. I I like, I like the word spank, but everybody's different. So, um, it's really, really important that you are setting your kids up for success when you are developing your curriculum that, like, They know all of the single sound steps before they get to the double sound steps and they know all the double sound steps before they get to the triple sound steps. Um, So I'd be happy to talk more at length with anybody if they wanted to um, at lunch about any of that because I could talk for days about curriculum to be honest. Um, When it comes to that, you need to be picky. You need to be very picky with the details. Just like you are in all, like ballet is like the example for me um, because you are so, like there is like a one way, like you know, you do a tendu, this is how it has to be. Tap is the same way. Like weight shift is I think most students' biggest problem they don't know how to shift their weight, they're not gonna be a good tapper. So you need to devise and, and help them with that. But be precise, like when you're teaching a flap, it goes down into the floor, it doesn't come from your back of your butt, you're tapping off of your heels unless you're doing heels and you have to correct them. So if you want your program to grow and you want your dancers to get better, you have to get down and gritty with them, with those tiny, tiny details. Um, and I promise, it will get so much better. Um, does anybody have any questions or anything they'd like to add in any of this? Yes. Just a quick question back to the music theory. Yes. I've worked with students before who did study music, they don't want to count before, and a lot of that, but it's just one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Yep. How do you think which way you to teach, because you know dance, you so, the names we the musicality schools? Okay. That's a great question. Um, I generally will teach in eights until they're in an intermediate level. I think because they're teaching in eights across the board in ballet, like in all their other classes, um, when they're in a, when they're younger, I don't want to confuse them. Um, so I try to keep it in eights. But you can still teach all of those concepts even though you're teaching in eights. But then once they get to the intermediate advanced level, then I start to play around with time signatures, like we do a lot of sixes. I lo- I am like a sucker for a six. Oh my God. Yes. I could choreograph for, t- like for days to waltz or six, yeah. So like we'll do like, I'll do a unit where the only thing we do in tap class is in sixes, or seven fours, or like, you know, we do a lot of varying time signatures. So I think you just need to introduce those concepts and then when they get to that intermediate level, then you can kind of explain to them now, I know we've been counting in eights, but I want you to be prepared that if you ever took a class from somebody else, because that's our goal. Like, we're like the parents when, you know, the main goal of a parent is for your kid to leave your house and then fly and, and be successful on their own, and it's the same for your students. Yes? I have a, a classroom from a music teacher, um, LOAD music teacher, who happened to be my kid's music teacher. She's a drum corps teacher. Mm. And one of her pet peeves was all her dance students not understanding the concept and they used to struggle, they all struggle with the recorder part because they're so used to going to eight mm-hmm. that she was like letting them, in second, 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 third, and fourth grade, um, they can actually handle that because if they're still, if they have music in their elementary school, they're having to learn how to do that. Yes. Spent, uh, You'd be surprised time. how early they really can grasp so it. that was my one request <laughs> yeah that's awesome and i mean yes sorry I was, no i was just wondering when you incorporate arms arms uh, are tricky for me i don't love choreographed arms i'm not like uh you know like i grew up like that like drawbacks like you know like that's that was like the 80s for me like i love natural arms but i i choreograph them so like anytime we're doing like a rhythm turn their arms are crossed so it looks natural but they're all together so um that takes a little bit of play on your part and you may be a person that really likes to do arms and I've done pieces where it has been a little bit more old school, and it's called for more of a, like, that kind of arm. That's great. And I do think when they're younger, doing that is great because you're teaching them other concepts like just having energy in their arms and placement and things like that that they need. But when they get to a certain point, I'm all natural. Like, I don't do. Uh, going back to the willow tree, do you have any tips for, because um, these are all... Um, like after the quarter ago. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything for switching that to behind? Because I'm trying to get my intermediates to go and a one and a two, and
1: they're going one and a
0: two and a. So so that's like on and off beat, which I could do another whole like two hours on. (laughs) Like uh, um, going across the floor and doing flaps, like a one, a two, and then it'd be one. uh, Like like just switching that. a lot of times with the younger ones, a great um, drawbacks are a perfect example of that because they start on the and before the count. So that's a good introduction. I would, ha- I would have them all be like, okay now, what count do we start on? And, okay, so we're gonna clap on the and before the one and I would count. And it takes a long time for them to really understand it. I also like to coordinate that like the, the actual downbeat is on the step. And uh, one, two, three. So like understanding different ways. Um, I think you just kind of have to play around with it, but I think the clapping works really well. Um, On and off beat is great. I I think you should do it all the time. Like real, it's, or having them like stamp and clap, like on and off and doing different rhythms is just really good for their brain. Any other questions? Um, Okay. And I, you don't have to know how to do it to teach it. I cannot do like a 10-sounded wing anymore. Like there's some things that I'm like, we're gonna just try this today, and this is what your feet are gonna do. (laughs) But if you can verbalize it, because I mean my knees are getting to like, you know, not as, they're not being kind to me as they were 10 years ago, just from tapping so much. but I think that you don't actually need to know how to do it to teach it. Um, There are videos you can find for almost anything or any skill, so that's something great. Um, And then lastly, I just wanted to talk about how TAP is fun, and we need to remember that. Like, we need to bring that into the classroom. I love videos in, in TAP class. So, like I was saying before, I really like to teach the kids like History. Now my kids, full disclosure, um, all my intermediate and advanced kids are taking two hours of TAP a week. So they get their regular you know, class and then they'll get their TAP tech class which is like a non-performing just technique class so I can do a lot with them in that. But if I have like an intermediate class that's learning the Ruby Keeler time step, I will bring my laptop in and we will watch videos of Ruby Keeler because I want them to connect like where this is coming from or like the Bojangles time step. We're gonna learn about Bill Robinson and you're gonna understand that like he's super important to tap dance. And so I think like constantly um, connecting that through video makes it cooler. So like don't be afraid to do that. Um, research, I love giving my kids research assignments. <laughs> um, this past year I actually had them pick out of a hat and they all had like a different historical tapper and they had to do an entire book report on them and bring me a photograph and we hung it in our lobby and we they each like presented it to each other and it was like a whole thing but it was really important for them They had no idea who half of these people were. I think Gene Kelly was like the only one that they knew out of like 15 tappers. So it was really, really good for them. So you don't have to do that per se, but I think you can weave that in. It's really, really important. Um, Games. I also love games with the little ones. I have a game. The kids have coined it the star game, and it's like a rite of passage at my studio, and it's basically tap charades, and I even have little Ziploc baggies by level, so I can like change it out, and they split into teams, and they make up their team names, and then I put it in, and they come up, and they pick out of it, they read it. They gotta do the step for their team. If they do the step right, they get a point. If they guess it correctly, they get another point. And they... Love it. Like, my advanced kids are like, can we play star game? Can we play star game? And I mean, you're also teaching them vocabulary and they don't even realize it. So, like, it's so important. When they're younger, I'll spend five minutes doing it every week, every week. Um, I also have like a wheel, like a spinny wheel and for my older ones, I'll like split it into categories like riffs, cramp rolls, and time steps, oh my, and like pullbacks, and music theory, and tap history, and they have to spin it, and I will have questions, and they'll come up, and they'll be like, okay, here we go, like they get super, I mean, who doesn't love spinning a wheel, like seriously? <laughs> Just the noise of it is super like, yes, <laughs> satisfying. So things like that are really great because you are weaving in the education, but they are having fun doing it um i also do with my younger ones where they have to sit in the back and they can't look at me and i'll do a step and then they have to try to guess it just based on the rhythm of it that's a great one um i have done where they stand in a circle but their backs are like they're facing outside and i'll pull one person in the middle and they'll have to do a rhythm like i'll tell them they can do any rhythm and then those kids have to copy that rhythm And that's really (laughs) eye-opening. Sometimes it's really scary. You're like, okay, we got some work to do. But that's a really great one. Um, I have like so many. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. And improv. Uh, We will be doing so much improv later and it's not scary. Like, don't be scared. I know, because that's what I get from everybody. Improv, they're like, oh my God. I'm just gonna like go back here. But um, improv is like such a rooted part of tap dance. So from the time that they are six, you need to do it. Every week, I don't care, you need to do it. I promise you they will love it. Like when they're six, we get in a circle at the end of class and they each get eight counts to do whatever they want. And sometimes it's like not even tap. Like they're just like, and I'm like, yes, get it, okay. And that, but now you're also teaching them that like, okay, every eight counts, somebody does something. So now they're starting to keep time, like while they're in line. Um, as they get older, I start doing a lot more games with improv, but it's so, 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 so important. So if you take one thing away today, please start improv in your class. Um, and then lastly, have a class ending kind of funny because like Aaron Pride was talking a little bit about that. We do a little thing where at the end of class I do a shave and a haircut and then they do the two bits. Like, that's like our little ending. Like, da 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 And like that, and I'm like, okay, great class. So like I think you need to have a, um, some kind of ending way to close your class is like super, super important. So. I am like running out of time and I could talk for like 10 more hours. Okay, well, thank you guys. I hope this was helpful.